Good evening, everyone. Um, it's great to be here with the best of uh, Team Greece in economy and business, and Team Greece old, new, and hopefully prospective um, friends. Um, I'm Elizabeth Eleftheriadis. I'm a lawyer with KG Law Firm. I'm very honored to be moderating an exceptional panel of um, experts um, who are very dear to my heart as uh, a transactional lawyer in Greece, as all our panelists are in the deal-making business, risk-making, risk-taking, risk risk-managing, and um, deal-making business, as I said, making our world go round. Our panel's theme, the domestic institutional investors' viewpoint of Greek economy and its opportunities, has been a staple of um, Capital Link Forum for the last years. The focus of this panel has uh, rather also consistently been SMEs and startups from the insider's viewpoint. SMEs, quite obviously, because um, SMEs are 98% of uh, Greek businesses. Startups, I would say that as Greece has been a late adopter, but as, as always is the case with Greece, a rather passionate one, it has produced already some very interesting stories that we're about to share. Um, our insiders are from the private equity side of business, um, also from the um, REO, um, risk management and um, risk assessment um, business. So I have the pleasure of introducing uh, on, on my left, uh, Mr. Koulis, Mr. Nikos Koulis, CEO of, um, and, and partner of Tech Investments. Mr. Takis Olomos, founder and partner of um, Elkonos Capital and, and First Athens. Mrs. Eleni Bathianaki, partner and um, uh, uh, partner of EOS Capital uh, Partners. Uh, Mr. George Jogakopoulos uh, of Intrum and Mr. John Kikopoulos of um, Qualco. Uh, so, as we are under, as we said, pressure, let me start with our questions from uh, to our first um, to our first panelist. So, we've heard a lot about Greece being the place to be. Uh, Greece not having had the opportunity of a lot of institutional investors uh, the last years. So, let starting from you, have you? Just being patriotic about Greece, why Greece? Um, what has been your experience? And what are the competitive advantages of, of Greece from a private equity fund point of view? Uh, thank you, Lisa. No, we, we are patriotic on other things, not with our investors' money. Uh, the reasons we like investing in Greece, and uh, we are raising a second fund, in fact, is because, uh, <clears throat> because there is a very favorable imbalance between supply and demand. Let me explain what I mean. Uh, SME companies, uh, there were, out of the 100 SMEs companies in two, uh, 2009, about 55% of them folded during the 10, 11 years of, uh, of the major crisis. Uh, so the ones that survived had to be leaner, meaner, more efficient, basically fundamentally better companies. So that's the one thing. The second is that there is a change in the management style and perhaps the generational management. Uh, people realize that you cannot be efficient, effective, and, uh, and uh, a successful company if you focus in Greece. You need to be successful internationally. This might be in certain industries, Europe-wise, some others, by the nature of the business, you need to be 
successful you know, on a global scale. And this means they need capital and they need advice and know-how, which is what we provide. Uh, me and us and other companies like us provide. So uh, you have good fundamentals, you have good management, and we're also fortunate to have the what is probably the most pro-business, pro-common sense, I would say, uh, government in the last at least 20 years, and hopefully more years if they continue doing well. Um, and this is not partisan. I would be delighted to have a, a government from a different party be as good, but for the time being, is at least an excellent government and can solve a lot of problems and make life easier. So we have a benign environment, we have a good management team, and we have good companies that want to go and, and uh, participate. So that's very, that's very attractive on the, on the supply side. Now, the demand side, um, we are three groups, that the three private equity firms that specialize on the SMEs. Of course, there are CVCs of the world, which are great, but focus on much larger companies than we do. Uh, and uh, I, I strongly believe that could be not three, but ten of us and still have good business. So, in a way, I feel like what Warren Buffett once said in a, in a great year, that he, feel like, he, felt, uh, like, he felt like a, uh, a child in a candy store. That's the way we feel. We believe there are very good opportunities, and of course, we have to do our work right, but uh, it's a great opportunity to go and invest in good companies and attractive valuations, do the value creation, which is an important part of what we do, and then hopefully sell them in a, in a, in a, and a price will be much better for our shareholders. And by the way, in addition to maximizing shareholder value, I'm the old school, that's what I want to do, we generate a lot of good for the local economies and the people and the laborers. That's it. And how about the competitive advantages of, of Greece vis-a-vis um, -vis other countries of the region? Do you think we have anything particular? We heard about logistics centers, we heard about talent, we heard um, about new technologies. This is, this is sector specific. I don't think Greece is sort of better than anybody else in everything, but in some areas there are. Uh, we have invested, for instance, in a company that processes tomato in, in Thessaly. For some reason, I have no idea why. The plain of Thessaly, of Thessaly is, has an advantage for the production of this, of this crop and uh, has no reason to become number one in, uh, in Europe. And by the way, Europe has about 15% deficit mm -hmm. in the production of this. So this is an advantage, this is a sustainable advantage. But, uh, uh, and as I mentioned earlier in, 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 a, in a comment that I made, Greece has very good uh, electrical engineers that are actually paid a lot less than others. So, yes, there are, there are advantages, but uh, uh, the fact of the matter is that you can be very specific, you can look at specific sectors and companies. We look both from a top-down, bottom-up, and see sectors that we, that we want to invest, mm -hmm. but also opportunities. We are, you have to be in our business, you have to be both systematic and, uh, and op opportunist. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not suggesting that Greece is, uh, as I mentioned, that has great advantages it has great advantage in certain sectors, and these are the ones that we're going to focus on. Okay, so that, that gives us a good uh, opportunity to move on to Taiki Solomon. So Taiki has been in the private equity business since 1998, I believe. So since we're talking about sectors, is there some specific, specific sector that you believe has, um, you know, has attracted your attention, you believe there's specific uh, interest for it in, um, in Greece? Look, um, uh, 
we, are, we have been living in a country that, uh, Lisa, that uh, have been going through a major economic crisis for the last, I don't know, since 2008. And where we're about to get out of the crisis, you know, the COVID and then the Ukrainian war happened, so nobody really knows how the economy is going to evolve. So Greeks proven, have proven that they are resilient. So there are many industries that have managed to to, to grow, have managed to become uh, competitors in a global scale, have managed really to get rid of the locally produced problems and uh, expanded uh, in other um, areas and other markets and other goods and services. Uh, in our portfolio, we have a lot of, uh, let's say, attention to the food and beverage companies. Out of our invested capital, around 80% is invested in this uh, type of companies. Uh, we are fortunate enough to, to be in a country that that is perceived uh, in the Western world as a top cuisine, let's say. So the Greek uh, brand in terms of uh, food is recognized and uh, people given uh, logical, let's say, price, uh, uh, let's say, differentiation from other markets, they, they prefer to, to consume Greek products. However, uh, we need a lot of work in terms of branding, you know, the things that we all know that we need to, to make uh, stronger brands and companies with uh, wider distribution, uh, you know, globally. So in our portfolio, we have uh, understood that the, Greek the food companies you know, are resilient to, to crisis. This is um, a characteristic of uh, food companies globally. You know, people have to eat, uh, at, you know, have to consume specific uh, number of calories, you know, a day to, to survive. I consume more than that, obviously, but, uh, you know, this is uh, <laughs> something that I managed to do it. And um, uh, so our, our uh, companies have managed to become more export-oriented, have managed to invest more in our research and development of new products. Products. The food is evolving as everything else, so we see all these new proteins and the new, let's say, uh, dietary trends that uh, leads to people to, to want to consume different things. But uh, fortunate enough, the Greek uh, entrepreneurs in this sector are uh, quite, let's say, active in uh, the research and development side of the equation. They do a lot of things to, to try to export uh, their goods and services. They try to put the brands, uh, you know, given the circumstances, you know, in a wider audience in, uh, in other markets. And uh, we see that um, the food sector in Greece, uh, you know, given the, the changes with the COVID that made, uh, the, let's say, the locally produced uh, uh, foodstuffs more important than the, they used to be before, the, the disturbance of the supply chains due to COVID. Uh, I do feel that there is an area that is going to attract even more investment in Greece. Of course, there are the, um, the problems of the geography. Greece is a small country, a lot of mountains, a lot of islands, so we don't have that space to grow too many stuff. But we need to move forward to the value-added uh, products and the more branding, the more flavor, let's say, uh, side of the equation. Mm -hmm. Great. So, talking about uh, prospects, uh, Eleni, how was uh, 2021 for for EOS um, Capital Partners, and what do you see from um, from your experience 2021 as an outlook for 2022? Okay. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you for being here, uh, Lisa. For us, and I will continue this optimistic, uh, nice environment. 2021 uh, has been a good year. Obviously, as Nikos and Takis already explained, uh, we invest in growth SMEs. 
Uh, that effectively means that these are good companies with a solid financial position with, uh, that belong to defensive uh, sectors with uh, competitive advantages either in terms to their product or their service uh, or they do something differently. That uh, effectively means that uh, even within the, the pandemic risk, these companies managed to do well. In some cases, actually, they managed to tap market share. They increased uh, their, uh, their revenues. Uh, and uh, within this environment, EOS continued its investment strategy, and uh, we continued uh, investing. Um, we have uh, made six investments and one divestment in 2021 altogether. And uh, actually, this is a very nice uh, case study to say. In 2021, we did our first divestment, uh, a typical Greek SME uh, that actually we invested 22 months ago in uh, October 2021. Uh, located in uh, Crete, uh, with revenues of 35 million and uh, approximately 3 million of EBITDA, very strong management team. Uh, the revenues already coming 40% approximately from digital sales. Uh, the company belonged in a defensive sector, athleisure, that meant that it increased globally by more than uh, 6%. Um, they managed within the 20 months of our uh, journey together, uh, 22 months of our journey together to triple their physical location. I almost doubled their revenues, tripled their, uh, their EBITDA. And in um, April, May 2021, we got approached by an international strategic investor, JD Sports. Uh, most probably you know Finish Line, most people here in the US. I think it's the global number one retailer in athleisure. Uh, uh, we got approached by them for a majority sale. Uh, the deal uh, concluded in October 2021. Um, what is amazing, other than the very high returns that the family and the fund got, is the fact that uh, they asked the family to retain a 20% stake. Okay. Uh, this effectively meant that uh, there was a seal of approval to the management and what they have done so far. And uh, Greece will actually play the role of the hub for the regional uh, um, expansion uh, in Africa or Middle East. Mm -hmm. uh, so despite all the uncertainty, and of course, uh, it's nice to say the nice you know, case studies after they have been made. Uh, there were months during the, the lockdown that uh, we were all really uh, scared and we tried to stay very close to our companies. I think one of the things that all the investee companies have seen and the, and the whole uh, environment have seen is how important it is to have capital buffer. Uh, because during the challenging times, it is really important for the CEOs to, to retain focus in their balance sheets and their business plans and their strategy. Uh, so this was something good that came out of this, of this crisis. Uh, so we, we remain focused on this. And uh, as we have said many times, we are Paripasu investors. Mm -hmm. So even if uh, things go bad, we are all in this ship together. And uh, this is something that we really say to our, to our investing companies. Now, uh, what this means in 2022? To be honest with you, I feel, uh, I feel stressed because I know that there's going to be a pressure on the margins. I'm not sure how the companies will be able to transfer the increased uh, inflation rates and all these uh, um, energy cost, increased energy cost wages to the end consumer. Um, but as a private equity fund, I see some good things. Number one is uh, 
I think valuations are going to be a little bit more uh, rational <laughs> because right, yeah. 2021 has uh, boosted uh, a lot the, the valuation levels. Uh, and also, I think, as I said before, the importance of having capital buffer mm -hmm. and having a strong financial investor in your capital structure does not mean that you really need to feel threatened, but uh, on, the, on the opposite side, you can re remain focused on your, on your strategy. Okay, so before moving on to the to the other other panel members and staying at the private equity level, so you mentioned something about um, capital buffer and other synergies possibly with other investors. So who would the investors typically be? Would they be Greek, other Greek PEs? Would they be international private equity funds? So well, actually, we have already cooperated uh, among us. We have an investment in Minerva, and then we have Euro Catering. Mm -hmm. uh, we are, have announced a, a cooperation um, with. A strategic investor for years within the next month and obviously uh, when you 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 want to have like a majority um, buyout you need cooperation you would it's it's really good to to actually uh, diversify even your risk mm. and i think among the greek uh, the greek private equities we have already depicted this uh, this uh, synergy now with regards to international uh, PEs, obviously uh, Mr. Fotakidis, we are here to help <laughs> with smaller tickets, obviously, uh, but uh, it would be great because I think what the Greek PEs can provide is local knowledge. Um, we do have, uh, you know, a good understanding of what's happening, of what's happening, and how how we can help. So I think this uh, this is a natural, let's say, wedding. Uh, of uh, and uh, synergy of forces, and obviously for us the international PEs. Uh, it's like the natural exit. I mean, what we really want is our SMEs to grow enough in order to, to be uh, uh, attracted by, by international players, either strategic or financial. Mm -hmm. And one last question on the, on the PE side again. So we heard about athleisure, which is a, a non-obvious, uh, let's say, business sector. We heard about uh, agriculture. Any other sectors that you, you know, attracted your attention the last, uh, at least the last year that were, uh, let's say, not that obvious for, uh, for investors? We have invested. Uh, Sorry, I'm just going. To, uh, we have invested already in cybersecurity, which is not uh, like a, a normal or like a usual case in in Greece. The company is called Obrella. Uh, it's an amazing team. Uh, uh, recently, actually, they almost doubled the size by acquiring the number one competitor in Greece, called Encode. It's a defense sector growing globally. We do expect a huge growth potential for them. Mm -hmm. So this is, was something, something that you wouldn't expect to have like mm -hmm. number one in their sectors. And we had a bunch of companies obviously being slightly older fund then. We, uh, the, the one that attracted the greatest publicity was uh, Viva Wallet that was bought by JP Morgan. Uh, uh, we had a uh, times money, a double digit types money. We also have a generic drugs company we expect to announce within the next several months that's also going to be quite attractive. Uh, some of the food companies uh, mm -hmm. and the next fund will have business services, technology, food and beverage. So reasonably diversified portfolio across Greece the... Greece is small, yeah. too small a country yeah. To, yeah. to have a fund that specialized in Greece and then a okay. specific sector. You need to be more broad, broadly based. So jumping from private equity to, well, we heard something about fintech, etc. So maybe that gives us a good opportunity to move to Mr. Gikopoulos, uh, CIO of, um, of Qualco. So um, 
during the COVID, it was heard that um, 2030 happened in 2020, meaning the acceleration, the digital acceleration that we were expecting for 2030 happened 10 years ahead. So does this mean that Greek uh, SMEs became more IT-minded? What's your experience and, you know, what, what, what's your uh, view in the, for the market and the solutions that are proposed? Well, um, you know, over and above the... So first of all, thank you. Thank you very much for the opportunity to, to speak to this audience. Um, the acceleration from, from COVID was part of the Teutonic shift that we have been witnessing in Greece during the last few years within the technology sector. Right? And I think that um, other panelists uh, spoke about the technology sector as an opportunity. Um, I, I happen to believe that it's one of the biggest opportunities for uh, domestic and international investors um, on the back of three core reasons. One, yes, um, you know, COVID as a catalyst or disease as a catalyst, as unfortunate as it, 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 it might be, um, has accelerated the way that companies across the board um, are willing to adopt new technologies. I think, I think that's one. But at the same time, we've had a, a double whammy situation where um, Greece actually had to go um, through a huge shift in, in, in their typical ways of working due to the crisis. So if you put one and one together, the resulting impetus was pretty much unique at a global scale, and, and that, that is one. Secondly, um, what is happening and, and what, is, what is quite evident across the board is the fact that an ecosystem has been forming across education, research, um, the, the public sector and the, the corporate entities active in the country that is actually able to act as a multiplier of what technology companies can do in this country. I mean, I, I, I don't need to remind this to everybody, but you know, the, the reason why Silicon Valley is so successful is not, well, it's not just because of the you know, uh, location or the weather, it's because it's so much easier to do business when um, you, you've just left you know, the Google office and your best friend has just left the Amazon office and you know, your boyfriend has you know, just left the, the Microsoft office. So I hope that by being able to harness all, all this talent that has been gathering up, this, this can become, this is um, a distinctive attribute of the, the Greek technology sector. Third and finally, and I think Mr. Athanasi would probably agree with me on this, Location, 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 right? So Greece is pretty much at a global junction where we have the ability to serve both Asia and the Americas over a certain overlap of time. Secondly, and, and this is critical um, both to the millennial generation but much more so to, to, to Generation Z at this point in time, having the ability to offer local and global talent um, the chance to work out of a Greek island, the chance to work close uh, to the Greek nature is unprecedented. There's very, very few countries that can actually um, have, have this claim to fame. So if you combine all of the above, um, huge opportunity. The, the, the bones are good, the fundamentals are good, and the technology sector in Greece is going to have, um, you know, it's, 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 it's time in the sun, it's coming. 
Okay, so since we talked about um, technology, now the, the last uh, point that we haven't covered is uh, NPL management and uh, so, um, debt collection, sorry, and enforcement, which is covered by George uh, Yuriakopoulos. We heard so much about NPLs in the previous panels. Uh, I think it's uh, almost too easy to, to ask. So what's your, what's your view on, uh, on NPLs? What's the progress uh, made so far? What are the opportunities you see? And which, which sector, maybe, out of the NPLs that um, Okay, NPL scenarios that are managed by... Yeah. Thank you, Elizabeth, and uh, thank you to Capital Inc. for pulling the conference together. I think it's great service to the market, and uh, we are thankful to Nikos and, uh, and uh, his sister who are pulling this uh, together for many years. Now, the reason I think, Elizabeth, that uh, NPLs were so much discussed the in the last few sessions, I think is the sheer size of it compared to the local economy. So I think it's 100 billion done by servicers, and we are one of those. Uh, we have about 30 billion ourselves GBV that we manage, and a few billion real estate on top of that. But the whole market has 100 billion plus another 10, 20, 120 in an economy that is less than 200 billion. So it is very, very substantive numbers. That's why people are talking about them. The thing is that, uh, you see, when uh, companies come to our portfolios and our management, they do not look like the companies that uh, Eleni and the Nikos and Takis said earlier on they would like to invest into, because they do not have strong balance sheets. They do not have strong propositions. They do not have strong management. At least they do not have some of those three elements combined. So the job is, and what we are trying to do, is try, trying to start addressing those. The relatively easy part that we do is to try to fix the balance sheet for them at least on the debt part and the structuring the debt and the expertise that uh, uh, ourselves and companies like, like ourselves do have in Greece is second to none. The sort of restructurings we do, fixing balance sheets, etc., in the rest of Europe, whenever it is done, it is done by specialist credit funds. It's not done by services. So we, we have developed exceptional expertise in uh, doing uh, uh, that part, fixing uh, balance sheets. But over time now, having done tens of billions of restructurings by now, so restructuring the financial debt to start with, you see that uh, that's not uh, adequate uh, from some point on. What you need from some point on is to work further to make those companies attractive, to work further on uh, uh, management, on uh, process, on uh, governance, on uh, making and finding capital investments for them to make their products more interesting and more competitive, which is a hard part. Now, we have embarked into those kind of activities more actively recently. And as an example, we have put out in the market for uh, sale, that, that's in, in, in Greece, that is, of about uh, the loans, that is, of about uh, 75 uh, hotels. Uh, why have we done that? Because when you look at those uh, cases of those hotels, for example, they're medium-sized hotels, let's say four and a half, five thousand rooms in total. The issue is that uh, when you look at those businesses is that they are simply not competitive enough. The proposition is not competitive enough. They need uh, more investment. They need uh, more capital investment to make the hotels more attractive. They need access to better management. They need access to markets and so on and so forth. So how you solve it? We said let's put a good package of loans together and try to attract strategic and financial, but strategic primarily investors, we're going to turn those around to make the proposition 
attractive, the hotel proposition, the hostile proposition, and it has started very well. So I think uh, it has great interest. I think it will work out nicely and will be successful. Everything we see so far suggests it will be very successful. Now, as soon as we see that this is working well, our plan is to get into other sectors, and we have a number of those that we think are quite exciting. Uh, a second one is uh, food industry. And uh, quite extensively, we happen to have almost a billion exposures ourselves in that, in that kind of business. These are functioning business, by the way. They have customers, they have employees, etc., etc. So the next one, I think, that could be very exciting and we'll focus on uh, as soon as we're done with the hotels is the food industry. But there are more. I think uh, there is a, a further significant opportunity we'll put effort behind it in logistics. We'll try to see how we can restructure parts of the sector you know, our, via our actions. And finally, I would see real estate. Uh, those uh, 100 billion of NPEs that the servicing industry only is managing will naturally create multi-billion real estate. And the real estate would be an exciting and very interesting opportunity for the Greek market and investors into the Greek market. First of all, it's the first time it will be available at scale, because until today, you cannot go and invest residential real estate and say, I want to have half a billion residential real estate. May I have it? No, you, you may not have it, because it does not exist. But soon it will exist, because we will put it out in the market, we and other uh, servicers. If you think that the prices today in uh, this market are relatively low, the supply will be quite substantive, and the opportunity to participate in the market via transactions at scale with LS and the likes of us will be there. I think this would represent interesting, mm -hmm. exciting uh, opportunity. Therefore, what drives opportunities, two things. is One is the size of the NPL uh, portfolios that uh, we and the likes of us manage in this market. Secondly, the point that we are where the financial structure is not is not any more adequate. The need and the opportunity to invest capital-wise in whole sectors, for one, uh, this is businesses that are functioning businesses, and uh, finally, the opportunity to invest at scale into real estate, where still the prices are very attractive. Okay, so we've heard a lot about the, the opportunities, about the diversity of uh, the supply opportunities. Um, let me go back to one of the, um, uh, one of the staples of previous um, panels, uh, domestic institutional investor panels. Um, obviously, there has been a lot of progress in the last years, but one of the questions that was uh, typically made was, if you were granted a wish, uh, what would you change in, you know, in, in, in your economic, uh, let's say, in your business sector? What would you like to accelerate? What would, would you expect to further accelerate um, progress in your business sector? So starting with Nikos, who's... I'll say exactly the same as two years ago and four years ago and six years ago, acceleration of justice. You can't have a function. This government has great progress, but unless you have the, the ability to execute contracts in a timely fashion, uh, you will always lag behind your competitors. This is a critical thing, and I'm not talking about 10, 20, 30 percent. Yeah, I'm talking about a 50 percent acceleration on the, on the uh, on delivery of justice. This is the, my number one, two, and three wishes combined. Well, on, on, on a more positive side, however, last year you were, you were uh, mentioning uh, uh, bureaucracy, delays, e-governance, etc. So this is all solved. So let's, let's just have one thing for, for the future to check, you know, to check progress. So how about Taiki? 
Right, uh, I would uh, say that we need uh, to initiate a much stronger connection between the universities of Greece and businesses. We need to, to try to create the connection, to try to bring uh, the younger scientists closer to business, to address the needs of uh, the industry, and uh, in addition, uh, providing to our students, you know, the motivation to work in Greece and uh, develop world-class uh, technologies, products, and services. I think this is the challenging task that uh, uh, the current government needs to address, uh, I would say, immediately, because there are all these uh, trends in uh, the traditional sectors, not only technology. As, as we were discussing, agribusiness, uh, food sector, all this, they are going through a trans transformation process, and uh, the universities and uh, the research, let's say, uh, institutions need to, to provide uh, you know, mm -hmm. real data and real, let's say, products to the industry. As Dr. Bula mentioned with Aristotelio Panepistima. Uh, Eleni? Well, I would like to not to change, but improve maybe the culture. I would like to see the Greek companies being able to play the role of market consolidators. Mm -hmm. I would like that to be in their in their hands and not wait for an international fund or us or international strategic player, mm -hmm. but be able to understand the economics and the, the synergies of uniting uh, forces. Yeah. So it's, it's a cultural thing. I think it's a matter of generation, and this is we, we already have some good news, but it's not always easy. And I think uh, the three of us have realized that uh, it takes too long to convince somebody, like a typical SME company, because most of the times we're still talking about family-owned companies uh, that they lack this corporate structure. Mm -hmm. uh, so changing, or actually improving, mm -hmm. let's put it this way, using a more positive verb, improving the corporate, mm -hmm. the culture would be nice. Mm. George, do you share the, the views of the... Um I do, but if I may, I would ask one, I would add one uh, more, and actually that is uh, further support and acceleration to the transformation that actually the Minister of Justice, uh, Mr. Chiaras, is already uh, helping us uh, uh, go through. A great piece of work for faster uh, delivery of justice. and. Uh, oiling of the whole ecosystem infrastructure that has to do with uh, the delivery of justice, for example, notaries and the likes. <laughs> Ministry is doing an excellent job. It has started at least a year now. I would love to see them uh, uh, continuing that and uh, getting us to a successful conclusion. Okay, and uh, the technology the technology inside this viewpoint, what would so you want to see change? <laughs> so literally in two seconds, right, and building on what Taki said, um, bringing the, the research and education side closer to the corporate side, being able to attract medium, large-scale corporates to the country and through that provide the evidence, provide the, the, the breeding ground for more entrepreneurs and for more ideas uh, to grow by leveraging, by getting to know how business is, is really done in, in practice. So for me, this this bridge. Okay, so thank you all very much. I don't know if there are any questions. I know we're very short of time, but just in case there's any questions in the... No. We run out of time. In the audience. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.